The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Has science killed God? Are Christian scientists really just God of the gaps thinkers? Or, or are all scientists just thinking God's thoughts after Him? Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Guys, the Creation Today Show exists to turn your stumbling blocks, the questions, the excuses, the arguments that you have against God, into stepping stones on your journey to see the world from the right perspective. I'm your host, Eric Hovind, and you are going to literally love my guest today. Hey, to my Creation Today partners out there, I want to say welcome. I got a bunch of new partners, a little shout out to you guys. So, uh, by the way, everybody joining me live here, man. Tony, I love you, buddy. I think of you often. Uh, Mary Jo, thanks for hanging out. Lisa, thanks for being here. John, thanks for hanging out with us. Hannah, appreciate you being here. Everybody else, thank you, William, for being here. Uh, some shout out to our new partners, David and Harry and James S and Byron and Janet and Richard and James B and James H and Chris and Boyd and Steve and Sue and Hans. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, and we're so glad that you guys are partnering with us to make a difference in eternity. And that ultimately is our goal, is that these little one-hour conversations that we get to have together will be a, a, a stone in the, in, the, in the pond of life that ripples all the way to eternity. That is our prayer. Hey, if you're not a Creation Today partner yet, I don't know what you're waiting on. Head on over to creationtoday.org and partner with us, and let's change the world together. Guys, my guest today is Professor Andy McIntosh, and he is, he is humble, but I'll just be the first to tell you, simply brilliant. If you're new to his work, prepare to fall in love with this, this mind that God has created to declare the truth of creation to the world. Professor McIntosh has spent uh, 30 years in the fields of aerodynamics, thermodynamics, combustion, uh, bio... Uh, bio Metrics, mimetics, biomimetics, mimetics, mimetics. I was thinking it's it's basically the stuff that you've done with the bombardier beetle yeah, and, and, and right. Stuart yeah. Burgess. What? Yes, you Stuart, guys are copying everything he does. Oh, I love it. <laughs> copying right. God's design and giving Him glory for it. That's probably my favorite part of what you do. Professor McIntosh, you speak uh, widely in countries around the world on apologetics and the Christian faith, and you show that true science is entirely consistent with a biblical view of origins. Ladies and gentlemen, Professor Andy McIntosh, thank you for being here with me today, sir. I appreciate no, this. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure, Eric, and I appreciate what you're doing very much, sir. Well, I want to jump into the conversation. Has science killed God, you being a scientist, I thought, let's have a conversation here. What are the uh, what are the things that you would say to somebody who has said, well, science has killed God? What's the history of this phrase that we've heard for them to say, we don't need God anymore? I remember watching the the uh, Darwin video, the movie they did on Darwin's life, and that that phrase that came out, you you killed God, sir. You've made it where we don't need God anymore. Is that really the case? So uh, we're where would you like to start in this conversation to help uh, not only my skeptic friends that watch the show, uh, but those of us that are believers? Um, 
Where would yeah. you like to start in helping us understand? Well, let, let, let me just briefly introduce myself a bit more, Eric, if I may. This is a picture of a, a tornado. We don't actually fly them anymore, but uh, for many years I was working at the Royal Aircraft Establishment. So I just want you to know my credentials. I worked there. I worked in aerodynamics. We don't do an awful lot of this now, which is testing these types of machines in wind tunnels. But you'll see in the bottom right, I've worked on the Bombardier Beetle, which you mentioned earlier. And I've written quite a lot on this. And if folk are interested, there is a book there on the left, The Wonders of Creation. And there's quite a lot on flight in it. In other words, I'm quite interested in flight, as you gathered. And so when I approach this question, has science killed God? Basically, I would suggest, if I may, that there are four areas which show to us that actually this is not the case. We can't deal with them all just in this program. But the science is what I'll major on. But uh, the, the thing at the top, that's on the left, but the thing at the top is to do with our minds, our rationality, Eric. And I'm sure you'd agree that without, uh, without God, you cannot even trust what your mind is saying because you don't know where your mind is from. You can't even be sure that you're not talking rubbish. You need a base from which to work. And the Bible, of course, clearly tells us that we are made in the image of God. And then the last two... Um, are to do with ethics. And although I please don't think that I'm ever going to say that an atheist necessarily doesn't have morality, often they do. Often their morality is far greater than, than many Christians, which is a sad indictment against some Christian, uh, the way some Christians live. But they don't have a basis for morality. That is the problem. And they certainly don't have a basis for meaning and I've written a little booklet called Are You Really an Atheist? which uh, really deals with that very issue and shows that these matters cannot be addressed other than by coming from a Christian perspective. Um, and I'd like to say uh, we, need, we also need to define our terms. What is science and who is God, um, Eric? And we may not be able to deal with the others because time's not available, but I could just, if I may, just briefly say what is science, because this is important when discussing with an atheist. Science has to be testable, and science can only operate in the physical world. Um, it can operate on the edges of the physical world. So by that, I mean it can talk about things like uh, computer programming, which isn't essentially physical. It's a very interesting point. And we also have to ask the question, is it false or is it true to say science has all the answers? And I'm going to say because science essentially deals with the physical world, the what, the how, not the why, not the purpose, not meaning, then that really makes a very big point that we cannot of itself give meaning to what we're looking at. So the other point is that if I do an experiment, Eric, on Tuesday, and I have the same conditions, right, in the laboratory, or if I'm, you know, the same temperature and all the environment is right, I expect it to be repeated on Wednesday if I do exactly the same experiment. 
and so many people don't realize this so you can't do with deal with that in evolution because origins isn't open to being repeatable you can't deal with it um by definition because you're going to a singular event so when people tell me that science has answered all the questions no that no it hasn't because uh science is not dealing with the why and um is evolution really a science no it's not because it's not dealing with testable and repeatable experiments by definition the big idea that you know we've all come from inanimate uh, matter billions of years ago that that is meant to be a singular event in evolution's um, thinking and frankly you can't go back and repeat it by definition so now, there is I'm a lot curious. of big issues here i'm curious what you would say to somebody because i get this all the time well hold it hold it hold it professor mcintosh you're assuming that evolution deals with the origin of life where evolution is just after life got here what what do you say to somebody like that well yeah and i i i understand where folk are coming from but if you cannot get the thing started then why talk about any development? And anyway, the developments they're talking about after supposedly life has got going in a in a goo billions of years ago is frankly just astonishing because they're trying to tell me that RNA led to DNA, which led to the first amoeba or something like that. And then over billions of years, it develops logic and the mind of human beings frankly that's just utterly uh, unprovable but almost by definition as i've said because you're dealing with a singular event and secondly um, you are actually begging the question because mathematics and mind has to be there first before you make something which is engineering in terms of a rocket or or, or anything that we make. And the same applies to making a human being who has uh, hands which he can use, feet that he can use, a brain that he can use. And everything is telling you that the Bible's position is much more scientific because it says that man is made in the image of God. So it's telling you immediately that were made in the image of a much greater mind, which has made things to begin with. In Genesis, it says in the beginning, God, but in John's gospel, it tells me in the beginning was the word, and the Greek word is logos. In the beginning, you might say, was the mind behind everything. So I would suggest to you that the Bible is far more logical and far more straightforward in its statement than evolution, which leads you down a blind alley, really, from the word go. Wow. So not only do you not have a starting point, even within the evolution worldview, within science, observable science, you still have, you still can't get evolution to work. Not only do you not have the mind, not only do you not have the information, even once you get life, you still can't go from RNA to DNA, logic, mind, development. You've got to start with the mind to begin with. Exactly. And indeed, Werner Gitt, 
um, who's an elderly gentleman now, but he's written an excellent book, In the Beginning Was Information. And that's a brilliant title because that really does show us what the issues are. Though I can't go through all my talk, obviously, and I don't particularly want to do it that way with you now because I want to deal with a, an interaction with you and maybe with others who are questioning. But let me just give you an illustration of some of the issues to do with um, this matter of DNA. Uh, because DNA is, a, is really a library of information. Did you know that Bill Gates once said this, DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software ever created. I don't particularly wow. go with uh, <laughs> those computers. I use actually the opposition, Apple computers. But his point, <laughs> just putting that in, but his point is well made. He's actually right because, you see, where does DNA come from? DNA is not just the, well, the technical term is we talk about the substrate, that is where the information is sitting on. So DNA isn't just the nucleotide bases in the double helix, right? You're familiar with that. Most people are familiar with that. DNA is, let me just put this picture up. Here's a, a little diagram, um, which actually gives you an illustration of the DNA. As you can see, let me put that one, that's a better one, where you can actually see the DNA double helix. So it's not just the C and the A combining and the A, uh, C and the G, I beg your pardon, combining, and then the A and the T combining. Um, that that, yes, is the chemistry and the physics or the biochemistry and the physics of what's going on. What really I'm getting at is that the information is in the triplets of the coding side of the DNA. Look at the right-hand diagram. You've got C-A-T, which for us spells cat in English, okay? But C-A-T does not spell that in DNA language. It stands for a particular amino acid, right? which is joined up with other amino acids. That's what the AA means at the top. It doesn't mean Alcoholics Anonymous. It means, <laughs> it means an amino acid, AA, right? Um, you join up all these other amino acids, okay? And it makes a protein. Now, the point I'm making is that the information is not actually in the cytosine, the adeni adenosine, and the thymine, which is these uh, triplets of particular um, particular nucleotides, and neither is it in the amino acids. It's in it's it's in the information which is to do with the coding that CAT stands for. There's nothing in the physics or the chemistry to make that happen. It's to do with the digital. Well, it's it's beyond digital. It's the coding which is going on, Eric. So this coding, which has been known since 1953, since Crick and Watson found it, massively shows to us that there must be a mind behind this brilliant engineering, which is going on right down at the molecular level. And frankly, to deny that, to deny that there is a mind behind it, is, is frankly just mind, well, well it's denying the obvious. Do I have the capacity to play a video on this program? Because I've got a video of something. While you're while you're getting that ready, William said very helpful diagram, and I agree. 
but I could take the letters that William wrote. V-E-R-Y-H-E-L-P-F-U-L. I could take those out. I could say, here's what the letters are, but that's not the information. That's just conveying the thoughts. The information is above the what I'm seeing. And the information is driving the coding. And the coding is just doing what's, what is told to do by the computer programmer or the p computer program. I'll give them that. But then it begs the question, well, who's the programmer? You know, right. what, what's the intent? There's clearly intent, which is coming from a mind, which has put the information there to begin with. So if somebody's going to tell me, oh, well, we could get this going and then everything will evolve. No, it won't, because the information will only go as far as the programming is allowing it to. So if you're going to make a different creature, which has got wings, right, which never had wings before, then you've got to instill or install, I should say, the information in this library of coding to do that. And that's the whole argument from the creation perspective. Everything is shouting that there has to be a mind there to do this. So it's not the creation guys who are on the back foot. The evolution guys are on the back foot because they've never been able to tell us where this system came from. Let me play you this coding. This is, uh, this is a molecular machine because this raises yet another issue. Meet the Kinesin. Masterpieces of microengineering, Kinesins are miniature motorized machines that carry cargo from one part of the cell to another, walking along self-assembling highways called microtubules. Known as the workhorses of the cell, Kinesins have two feet, or globular heads, that literally walk one foot over another along the microtubule, pulling their cargo to its destination. Each foot possesses two special locations, called binding sites, that interact with other molecules. One site attaches to the microtubule, and the other binds with ATP, the energy molecule of the cell. When one foot binds with ATP and uses its energy, the foot flips over, resulting in the walking motion. Each foot has a short neck, which is connected to a strand of a long coiled stalk. At the end of the stalk is a fan-shaped tail, which holds tightly to the cargo being transported. Now, this wow. is just amazing, Eric, wow. because this is, in, this is touching my area. Now, my area is to do with thermodynamics. And if you noticed, if you listen carefully to this video and the viewers who have watched it now, if you want to watch this, you just put in kinesin into Google and you'll find this walking molecule. It's just amazing. If you noticed, it talked about ATP, adenosine triphosphate. Now, there is a motor called ATP synthase, which makes ATP, right? Now, adenosine triphosphate is a very unstable molecule and it will just disintegrate unless it's got other molecules around it in order to keep it in this uh, uh, raised energy state. ATP, as the name suggests, it's got an extra phosphate. It's adenosine triphosphate. So it wants to give off that third phosphate and that energy has to go down a special pathway in order to be used and it's going down, I won't go into all the detail, but it's going down a very special pathway on the end of that 
um, you know, where it's walking, it's it's causing the, this incredible two feet to flip over by giving off this energy at a very precise moment. And it's then causing this cargo molecule to go along. They called it microtubules. Well, think of it like a railroad. And the railroad is being made as it goes along. I mean, wow. who's going to tell me that this has just come about by random accidents? Everything is telling you that there is brilliant, precise engineering. And what's more, brilliant, precise thermodynamic pathways to make this molecule walk as it does to to suggest that this came about by random mutations over millions of years is frankly utter nonsense and wow. it needs so, to be called out as such not only do you need to get the atp the molecules but once again having those molecules is no good unless the information that tells those molecules yes. what to do the programming is yes you really just like people typing a message the god of this world has blinded their eyes so true tony as you type that you have a message first and then you want to convey the message you use a code to convey the message and in the same way you're saying the evolutionist needs to understand they're trying to say the code came about and then invented somehow a message and that's the opposite we've got the message first and then the code to deliver it exactly so everything is telling us that wow. there is a mind going on here which has made not only the I mentioned the uh, the DNA to begin with, and that is an amazing molecule in its own right, okay? And by the way, in order to make the DNA, constantly cells are copying the nucleus and copying the DNA, and this copying is going on all the time. And in order to do that, they've got to have ATP to actually make the extra phosphates, right? And to to build up the dna so atp is being used not only for the very molecule which is storing all the information but atp is being used in the kinesin like the walking molecule and it is made by atp synthase which is yet another motor right and so and the motor is coded for by dna so you've got chicken and egg situations here right down in the biochemistry now Forgive me, I'm not actually a biochemist, but I do understand thermodynamic, thermodynamics and thermodynamic pathways. And what interests me with ATP is that it's using energy in a very precise way to do things which are basically being told what to do by the very message which is on the DNA. So it, it's astounding to me that we work as best that we do if we if we had all evolved there's no way this system would work this wow. has to be with a mind behind it and that's why the bible says in psalm 139 we are fearfully right. and wonderfully made and we need to recognize that another verse in acts chapter 17 which says in him we live and move and have our being Paul said that on Mars Hill when he was arguing with the Athenians, okay? And so many people try to say that, you know, there's no pointers here to God in the, the science. Oh, yes, there is. 
but people want to, as Romans 1.18 says, to suppress oh, yeah. the truth in unrighteousness. And th that's the problem. People, uh, Eric, are suppressing this evidence. Now, I can't force them to accept the evidence. God needs to open their eyes. But may I suggest that there is no lack of evidence for God. Romans 1.20 says the invisible things of God are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And we need to reassess if we're an honest atheist, and I hope I've got an honest atheist. There are such. Um, you might not think so. I think there are some who are prepared to be a bit more honest. Thomas Nagel from New York wrote the book Mind and Cosmos, and he admits that, frankly, he's not a scientist, he's a philosopher, but he admits that the evidence like the bit that I've just been showing really points the other way. And he's wow. frustrated that he can't justify his atheism. And he's got wrapped over the knuckles by other philosophers for, you know, giving airtime to the creation argument. He doesn't quite say the creation argument, but he does say the design argument. And friends, I, I and Eric here, I really think we need to carefully use these bits of reasoning, not thinking that God will immediately open hearts. It's his affair to open other hearts. But I do think we need to be, as 1 Peter 3.15 states, to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And as a scientist, I delight to actually show the evidence which points towards God. Can I give another bit of evidence or have you had enough? Well, no, I'm I'm looking forward to way more evidence. Here's the problem. <laughs> I got to let my social media uh, yeah, uh, people go right now. So if you're joining me on Facebook or YouTube or listening to the podcast or watching by, by way of the television program, thank you guys for peeking into the Creation Today community for a few moments. We're going to go on with Professor McIntosh. And if you want to hear the rest of this or get access to all the amazing programming that we do, just come on over to creationtoday.org and just partner with us. We don't set a limit. You just partner with us for whatever you want and 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 help us reach the world. If you're here and you're an atheist, man, let me tell you, you need to get in touch with uh, and watch Professor McIntosh's conversations about this and other things that we'll go into. He's got a lot of stuff out there on YouTube that he's done. You can watch it there uh, for free, some of the talks that he's given. Professor McIntosh, real quick, to my to my audience out there that has to leave us right now, What's the one thing that you would recommend them getting a hold of? Or I love getting your emails, letting me know when you're home safe and about your travels. How should they get in touch with you and, and keep in contact with you? Okay, the best way is, uh, yeah, if if they want to seriously go on to my, uh, to pray for me, then I'd, I'd prefer it to be filtered, if you didn't mind, Eric, through you. So if they could okay. contact you or your secretary um, and then... If you're happy, then that can be passed on to me. Obviously, I could have every Tom, Dick, and Harry if I'm not careful, <laughs> if I give up my email. But if they could contact Eric uh, and here, and then Eric will use his discretion to pass that on to me, and I can have you pray for me. But uh, if, you're, if you're just interested in following my science and you're not particularly wanting to get involved in supporting my own ministry, then that's fair enough. But I've written some books, which I advertised earlier. Um, one of them is Wonders of Creation, which I wrote with Professor Stuart Burgess. And uh, you're welcome to get hold of that. You, Master Books publishes that. 
I did show it earlier. I can just show it again. It's here. Here we are. This is this is on my screen now. I don't know whether you can see that, but um, you can see my own book, Genesis for Today, on the right, the Stuart Burgess's book, Hallmarks of Design, in the middle, and on the left is um, the book, uh, Wonders of Creation. The version that you could get hold of in the US, it's better to go to um, Master Books. They've got a, a US version where they've translated it, Eric, you'll love this, into American English. No, I, when I read your articles, I read them with a British accent. I love it. It sounds so much better when I read it in my head with your voice. Uh, it's wonderful. But if you want the English English version, you'll have to pay a bit more to have it shipped over from day one in the UK. <laughs> I so love there's it. a few little things which have changed, you know. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, you, you mess Facebook about with the English make... language. Thank you guys for joining me today. Next week, we've got a great show for you. If you can join us right here live at noon, we love it. Uh, it's going to be with Tim Chafee, and we're taking on giant speculations. What's up with the Nephilim? Let's explore that a little bit here this next week together. Look forward to seeing you then. Until then, man, if you're not saved, you need to trust in Christ as your Savior. Go to creationtoday.org slash gift. If you are saved, Come on, let's work together to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one thing that can absolutely change a person's eternal destiny. Come on over to creationtoday.org. So I'll see you guys next week. Until then, share the gospel of Jesus with someone you know or that you don't know. I don't care. Just share the gospel of Jesus.